welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. I'm Wes Avram. You're listening to the Out of the Park podcast series brought to you from the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life housed at Pinnacle Presbyterian Church in Scottsdale. We have been um, enjoying an ongoing series coming out of some work in person at the Park Center called Holy Humans, thinking about how biography, personal life, can impact the life of faith. Uh, In the Catholic tradition, this has culminated in a view of sainthood. In the Protestant tradition, it's a way of understanding sanctification, how God works in our lives, how we all uh, participate in saintliness. Uh, We've had several... Uh, podcasts in this series, Mike Hegeman, Dr. Mike Hegeman, one of the staff at the Park Center and our often host for our Park Center series has hosted uh, some of these. I have others uh, today. Mike will be our host and I, Wes Avram, will be on the other side of the microphone. Mike. We are turning the tables a bit today and so I'm glad to interview you or have have you come into this conversation about holy humans as, as you have led others. But thinking through, there was one word you just used, sanctification. And that's a that's a big word. How do you, what do you think about that word? Especially, you know, the, we can we can throw this theologically or through history. This term sure. has been thrown around to talk about the, the a pattern of life, uh, a, a goal in life. How do you understand this word sanctification? Hmm. You know, Mike, it's kind of nice to be on the other side of the microphone to experience what it's like to be interviewed by Mike Hegeman. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a sanctifying experience to experience that, which is a way of saying sanctification. Hmm. I like to think about theological terms, Mike, in, in terms of how we experience the idea behind them. Right? And this is just, you know, I, I'm not new in thinking of it this way. It's just how I think about theology. I think that some of the fancy, arcane, abstract words in the Christian tradition are ways of the tradition has described basic or core experiences of faith and raise them up into an idea that contains the experience. If we lose the experience in the idea, then they become dead metaphors. Sanctification is, uh, is a fancy term for being lifted up and above ourselves by the work of the Holy Spirit. The sanctified soul is the one lifted, is the life lifted into the space of God's grace and some traditions, I think, say that we are perfected in that space. Other traditions emphasize redemption, forgiveness in that space. What's broken is healed. Other traditions say in that space, what is self-absorbed becomes other-interested. In the sanctified life is the life of mission. To um, For some, the sanctified life is the life of purity and grace. Others, the sanctified life is the life of pure gratitude because we have been lifted up out of the morass, out of the mess of our lives. I'm sanctified, meaning somehow I've risen above the state that I got myself into. And and I think a big part of that, too, is just the root of that word, to be made holy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that that turning point is that we're, we're trying to figure out, does somebody know that they're holy, you know, that that's a question I've asked uh, along the way is, 
do I know at some point, all of a sudden, I'm, or gradually, I've reached an apex, now I'm holy? What do you, do you think about that? In, in this yeah. life, do we ever kind of step back and say, yep, now, now I'm holy? <laughs> uh, one of the things I love about our tradition, Mike, of Christian thought is how God-dependent the, re- the Reformed tradition of faith is, by which I mean we continue to trip over ourselves trying to figure out what it means to say God acts first. We act second in response to what God's already done. Even though it feels like we move to God, in moving to God, we discover that it was God moving to us, which is a long way around responding to that question, which I think part of the work of sanctification is recognizing that we haven't done the work at all. So we find ourselves holy, not of anything we have done. We find ourselves holy, by which we mean made whole, separated from something. I mean, the word holiness is a concept of separation. Right? We can separate ourselves, that's called arrogance, or we can feel the separation of ourselves from ourselves, right? our, our better self from the broken self. And we can be separated in a positive way in order to be made whole. There's an irony in that, isn't there? We just say you have to be separated to be made whole. But I think there's something in the human experience and certainly in our experience of God that is right in that paradox that we need to somehow feel separated from ourselves in order to find ourselves again, in order to be re-knit together by a grace outside ourselves. And that knitting together goes to the other side of holiness, which is making whole. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sense of there is this... There is this movement away from, some people would say, maybe the ego self or the, the, the lower nature or something. But in the end, as we're, you know, we find ourselves restored, that God yep. is restoring the image of God within us, the image of Christ within us, there is a, a restored wholeness. In, in, and that is that you know, maybe in this life I maybe never feel myself. I never feel, oh, I'm holy but I can certainly, in moments, I can say, I can catch a glimpse of yeah. God's wholeness. And we have, we have ways of living or things we strive for and dream about or taught we're supposed to want that are traces of that. Right? And romantic love is one of them, that we somehow we talk about our partner as, you complete me or you have made me whole, or we talk about our better half, whatever in the world any of that means. But we have these kind of human experiences about somehow finding our flow, maybe another concept of that, finally finding what you want to do with your life, finding the right vocation, finding your follow your bliss, where there's some sense in which we get in sync. And I think getting in sync in the human experience can also get in sync to go awry, too. I mean, there are certainly, you know, young people in Germany in the 1930s who, you know, joined the Hitler Youth found great meaning in life and might have said, I finally find myself whole. And yet we can look back at that and say that wholeness was leading down a pit of destruction. So simply finding ourselves in sync in human existence isn't necessarily holiness, except that experience of flow, of instinct, of being completed is a trace, which I think is lifted up by God, the one who made us in love and for love can be lifted up and itself made whole. So our experience of holiness, of being made whole in our earthly experience, gets broken at some point because it's never complete. 
And yet God can take that experience and fix it. Make the process of becoming whole, whole. And whole in in the context of the love that made us that then overflows through us to others. So the holy life is a life that overflows mm. with its own being made whole because we are made whole in such an extraordinary way beyond our whole life experience that we can't but share it. We can't but let it overflow into a life of holiness. One of the questions I've been thinking about in relationship to holiness is that in this series we've been looking at the lives of people who follow after Jesus, Christian people. Mm -hmm. Is there a way of of speaking about holiness outside of the Christian tradition, Uh, sainthood? You know, people we sometimes we hear the the term a Buddhist saint, you know, that yeah. used outside of this con- this, uh, this yeah. idea that the context of we're talking about. But I've also, I mean, I've heard you, you know, mention some ways of identifying uh, the characteristics or the mm-hmm. imprints of, of holiness. Can those be applied to folks outside of this tradition? There are certainly theologians in the faith, and you know them uh, better than I, who've said no. Uh, I'm one who says yes. I think if I believe that God is at work before we understand God's work, then I can't not believe that God is at work in people who who don't know God's at work in them. The process of sanctification, I think, is made whole when we recognize the one who's doing it. But it doesn't require us to recognize it. Because there is a kind of core flow of human experience that opens itself to the possibility of one day knowing, even if it's only in eternity, that it's that Christ is the one who who was doing that work. And one of it is the the idea of conscience, good conscience, that we find ourselves thinking with, which is what conscience means. We find ourselves thinking with other voices that make us in a positive way, make us conscientiously. So we find with others our purpose, and that can go negative, but it doesn't have to because that's where the Holy Spirit is at work, turning that toward goodness. I think there's Paul in his writings and his letters lifts up conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the fact that here we say that the kind of the quintessential Christian thinker, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And yet he comes to certain places and said, "How do we how do we make decisions in community?" And he'll say, on these, in, as in every matter, we, he lifts up conscience as a way of saying there must be discernment there mu- in, in, in our midst. There must be a way of, I mean, sometimes he uses the phrase testing the spirits yep. or just the sense of conscience is lifted up in such a way it's not isolated. And I think that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. in this integrated life that we seek. My holiness is sourced from God and I use a phrase like that God is the source of my holiness your holiness our holiness and as soon as I say my holiness I'm implicating that I'm in relationship with others yeah and so So that how does conscience how does conscience play out so that it's not group think but what is conscience in community so conscience is not self-assertion conscience is this sense of earning place through sacrifice. If I stand and I say, here I stand, right, Luther's comment, here I stand, I can do no other. You know, I believe this, therefore I will act on it. That's a conscientious statement when I recognize I'm willing to pay the price for my belief and, put, and make my belief accountable to the community. 
uh, so that I'm willing to be corrected, even though, to the best of my knowledge, this is where I stand today. Uh, saying I'll take no prisoners and just running through like uh, like an army uh, to um, to make my point by hook or crook, that's not conscientious action. That's not the... Um, I think of uh, A Man for All Seasons, right? Robert Bolt's play about St. Thomas More when uh, More is taking a position against Henry VIII. And uh, I don't remember who he's in conversation with, but he says, um, "This I do this... Be, not because I believe it. Then he says, no, I do it because I believe it. Which sounds, in one take, like it's just ego, self-assertion that somehow I, my believing it is the most important thing. But in the context of conscience, it's the opposite of that. It's to say, I will take my place and I will be accountable for my beliefs. I do this because I believe it or I do it because I believe it. And I have found myself in relationship to rigor, thought, perception, the community, scripture, all the forms of accountability by which I make myself. I take, I take my place in this place, always, again, willing to sacrifice, willing to improvise if, needed, if need be, willing to transparent to the things that make me so that I can be a conscientious person in the world. I think that's part of holiness. Let's um, let's unpack that just a little bit. Uh, you 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 brought some key terms in there, and one of them that jumps out is transparency. To be transparent, what is it? How is transparency a characteristic of of this the, the, we of, of us who are on a journey towards holiness? We're material beings, meaning that we are impacted by what by that which is outside of us that we're made by that which is outside of us. The idea that somehow we are born into the world as a pristine essential self that's then uh, impacted by experience. I just don't understand that or know that, um, or understand or know that in experience. I think that we are, we're porous selves. We, We become by virtue of our relationship with the outside. We're always in relationship to something, right? And most fundamentally we're in relationship to the love that made us eternal love not not simply human love but the but the great love that made us and we find ourselves in relationship to that love but that said there are human experiences that reshape and make us all along the way that our lives are transparent to i mean psychoanalysis is all about sort of sorting out through to figure out what a human psyche is transparent to? What are the fundamental experiences, drives, motives, passions that have created it? And how do you become aware of those in such a way that you can be conscious toward them and make choices that are healthy, right? Um, So we're, we're always transparent. And I think the goal of faith, holiness, is to let the is to find forms of life that are as transparent to the love that made us as possible. Yeah, I think I I appreciate that. The sense of we're not transparent to our self. The sense of like I am am performing myself in the world and this is how I'm transparent. But I I really appreciate you saying that I'm transparent to the love that made me. You know, there is an old kind of metaphor uh, of, of sainthood and and it's like a, from a child's point of view, sitting in a church with large stained glass windows, and there are depictions of these, you know, 
iconic human beings in these photos. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked the child, who is a saint? And they said, oh, it's it's somebody who allows the light to shine through them. Mm-hmm. You know, And so I don't know if that's an oversimplification, but it's, uh, it's a sense of what to what are we transparent? And I think that uh, you're highlighting love. Uh, I might, too, along company that with the sense of light. And yeah. But light that's light that's uh, sourced in love as well. You know, the sense of that that sense of who is the God that spoke light into being, spoke the cosmos into mm-hmm. being, is the same God who breathes into a lump of clay, as, mm-hmm. the, as that biblical narrative goes. It's, it breathes into a lump of clay to bring it life. And that sense of there's uh, the same God that can speak light into being, breathe life into lifeless things, is is ultimately the one who's to whom we are transparent. So the holy life or the saintly life is the life that is um, that allows that God to be in the circumstances of the of the world as as it uh, it makes and it, it can have impact on it meaning that life right so yeah. my life I'm holy to the extent that in the midst of all the choices I make as an imperfect person I um, let God be. Uh, to whatever extent I is possible for me or to whatever extent I can just step aside. Right? Um, and in a culture of authenticity, right? The Charles Taylor, the philosopher, has called this the culture of authenticity. In a, in a time of authenticity when somehow we, every signal around us from advertising through cultural assumptions today assume that it's our job to find our authentic self, that, that self-expression is the ultimate good of human life. And so if you can just be your authentic self and express it in whatever way you can or want, you're living the good life. But I don't know that the Christian tradition has ever really valued authenticity. The Christian tradition has valued transparency and holiness in the way we're talking about it. Authenticity is fine. I want to be authentic. I want to be congruent. I want to feel like I'm whole. But if it's a manufactured self, if I've somehow made it up, uh, and then I'm missing the whole of it, which is finding what is authentic even outside myself. So the first question is not who am I. The first question is what is true. And then who am I in relationship to what is true? Hmm. And what I think the Christian witness is, is that what we when we ask that question, what is true, what we discover authentically is who is true uh, and that is the spirit that we you know, the, the spirit of Christ ah, speaking of the spirit we have this um, in scripture let's say Paul's letters we have uh, we have lists uh, that mark the unholy life mm. you know long long lists <laughs> yes, of uh, jealousy hatred strife enmity drunkenness the lasciviousness lasciviousness <laughs> I mean, some great words in there but uh, these are the marks of the kind of the unholy life in some ways yeah. it's saying but but then there are then there's the the flip side of that is we're given we're given um you know markers or road signs along the way that say we are in this we are, mm-hmm. We're moving, you know, we're living in the holy life. That's that's the saying. Are we progressing uh, towards holiness when God can, when God claims us as holy? But what is the what is the pattern? I mean, a sense of we could read those texts and say, don't do these things, do these things, and it feels pretty. It can feel pretty rigid. Right. In the holy nice holy life, what is the what is the mode of being? 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's part, yeah. If it's not rigid, what is it? If it's just a list that we check off, mm-hmm. that we check off the stuff on the good side that we've done, that we check off the stuff on the bad side that we've avoided, and somehow that equals holiness, then that's just a little too simple. Even if it's hard, it's still too simple. Some of the people that I've met along the way who seem to me to be living in bad conscience are some of the most apparently conscientious people you find. It's like some of peace-loving people can be very violent. <laughs> there's there's a sense in which we've that list of things that Paul talks about is it, are um, are not behaviors that in and of themselves condemn. It's the the pattern of self-absorption that they represent, the pattern of self-reference, where we get closed in on ourselves. And these other, the fruit of the Spirit, peace, joy, temperance, love, are open us to others. So I can appear to be patient, but I can be doing that in a way that just is self-referential and closed in myself and is not finally transparent or open to others, right? I can appear to be holy. Uh, how often do we have all those cliches, right, of, right. of the, 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 the church people, the committed people, the pastors, the committed people who are deeply involved in the church, who are mean-spirited, who are judgmental, who are closed off to others, who are uh, self-centered and selfish, and the person who will have nothing to do with the church at all, and, and yet has that, those fruits of the Spirit in them, uh, that are you know, struggling to find full expression. Right? It's not as simple as two lists. Right. You know what? A, a, um, I'll bring in this metaphor. A, a, a piano student goes and learns you know, technique and says, okay, this is the way I play Mozart, right? I, uh-huh. I, I get a, and, and finds at first there is just a, almost a sense of there is one approach. There is, you're going to play the notes on the page. You're going to do all this. But as one grows in one's study of music, you learn you learn that you can stretch. You can mm-hmm. stretch here and there. Is there is there something comparable in this walk of holiness? You know, the sense of <laughs> stretching within within the you know. Here's you've got a measure with music. You've got a measure. It's got four beats. It's going to go this, and yet a true artist finds space within that measure to yeah. uh, to be creative. I think that's the improvisational aspect of this, and you find. So many people we call saints in history tend to be more improvisational in their way of thinking about the world than fixed and consistent. They're coherent, but they're not necessarily consistent because they're learning in every new experience. How many times, maybe you said in your own life, but how many times you meet someone who says, you know, I thought I knew what patience was. Now I understand. I I thought I knew what love was. Now I understand. I think the most remarkable one of those in that pattern that that for me was hospitality. Mm. I thought I knew hospitality yeah. until the spirit showed me people who were genuinely, I mean, yeah. hospitable, almost to the point of being mystical in that. Yeah. And so I, I understand that it's a sense of yeah. being open to where the spirit will lead to the kinds of experiences that kind of shatter at each point in our life, shatter the old forms. I remember meeting uh, a rabbi who was very involved in the peace movement in Israel and um, followed the um, Jewish law, the dietary law, um, you know, honored the, the Sabbath, was, um, was devout 
in all those ways. And the deep, more deeply he became involved in the peace movement, the more likely it became that he would find himself in situations where he couldn't follow the dietary laws, in part because he was often eating with Palestinians or he would be caught at a, at a rally opposed to a home demolition or something um, on the, in the occupied territories when, the, um, when sunset on Friday would come and Shabbat would, would come and he would be, end up spending Shabbat in a Palestinian home. And you know all of these all of these things he talked about that would that were breaking the rules. And at one point I said, "Do you feel less kosher in doing this?" And his response to me was, "No, I feel more because I feel like I'm finally understanding." And I'm not in a position as a non-Jew to make a theological comment about kashrut or the following of kosher law. That's not what I'm doing. I'm hearing his witness, and I'm speaking only of what he taught me about even my understanding as a follower of Jesus about how the law itself can come alive and it's not a way and and that what looks like breaking is actually fulfilling hmm. and and I understood Jesus's relationship with the law through uh, the witness of this rabbi's life in a way that no Christian theologian had ever taught me I think that ties us back to the discussion that I led on scandalous saints, mm-hmm. you know, the folks that come across those breaking points and uh, either either the actions that they do can kind of come up against uh, rigid sets of religiosity and, and stretch beyond them and, you know, leap over them or whatever it is that takes us to move us to the next level, which causes scandal for many people, but yet yeah. sets us on a new, you know, a, a higher plane, a different plane and all those kinds of things. Um, yeah, really, really important part of this holiness is that to recognize in others and the pattern for ourselves as we, as we approach this, you know, as you've mentioned, these conscientious, conscious and conscientious living, uh, that element of sacrifice, which allows us to say, I can be, I can be broken in the midst of moving, of, of mm-hmm. breaking rules myself, being transparent to the love that's mm-hmm. the love and the light that is beyond us and in us and through us. And also approaching it with the improvisational uh, uh, aspect of the Holy Spirit. That's the one that moves us in ways we never imagined before. And in which we discover that we may have known things we didn't think we knew. Because yeah. our lives become consistent working out of experiences or ideas that gave us life early on whose implications we don't fully know until we live in a certain way. So even though you look at someone's life and on the surface it looks like it's been all over the map and yet when you look back again you see a, 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 a developing realization through it all of a truth that in fact might be deeper than the surface appearance of their life. I hope we can keep this conversation going about uh, discovering the holy in our midst and uh, and walking walking that path that uh, draws us ever closer to God as God is drawing us closer. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org.